H&H listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Heather Taves, and this is my sister and co-host, Heidi Bolt. Hi, Heather. Hi. It's a gorgeous day. It is. Yes. I'm loving it. The sun's shining, and I love summer. I know. Summer's it's, kind of my gig. It's kind of like the middle, like the, the gut of summer. Yes. Right? Like where all of the trips and, and all of the, the like initial excitement of summer has passed. Sports are kind of wrapping up. Yep. Yep. And we're slowly gearing up for school and fall, but mm-hmm. you're kind of in that gut of summer where you're just enjoying the warmth and yeah. the humidity here. Yes. It was so humid the last few days. It was, although yesterday at church, I was talking to a lady who was visiting. She is from Phoenix. Yeah. And she was saying what a nice reprieve it is to be visiting here because, so we're in central Illinois. Right. And, um, you know, so we're in the Midwest mm-hmm. and... She was saying that when they come here to visit their family, they actually get to be outside during the summer. And she said that's such a gift because in in um, Arizona, she said we can only be outside if we're in the pool. Okay. And so she goes, you know, we don't spend a ton of outdoor time. Yeah, because it's so hot. So they don't get to spend a lot of time outside. And so it just kind of hit me. Isn't yeah. it interesting to go, okay, wow, this is something I hadn't really thought of is mm-hmm. summer we get to be outside pretty much whenever we want. Yep, it's true. And that's so cool. And it's a small thing, but it was I was reminded of this podcast that yeah. we talk a lot about how um, this is a beautifully ordinary life. Right. And so often people get stuck in that, like, oh, I just feel ordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But things around us are actually so extraordinary if we see them from that perspective. If you're new and you're just joining us, we want to welcome you to the podcast. And um, these are called chats. And this is just where Heidi and I have random conversations. Although I don't think they're random. I think they're God-ordained. But um, we just talk about a lot of different topics and things that God's laid on our hearts or questions that our listeners have asked. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're just sitting across the table right now, actually in my room. Yep. (laughs) Um, My husband's in South Africa traveling for work this week and um, just having a conversation about some ordinary things, some things that we struggle with, some things that we've learned. um, And one of the things, Heidi, that I love so much about this podcast is that I feel like we don't put barriers on what our topics mm, should be or right. boundaries yeah. around what our topics should be. So we have men on yeah. that talk about awesome things. We have moms on. We yeah. have working moms on. We have singles on. We have all different types of voices. And that's something that I just think needs to happen more Right, is that all of the voices, all the seasons of life should be brought to the table and yeah. should be valued because every season is special. Every season is unique. Every season has its challenges and its joys. Um, but today, we specifically want to talk about parenting. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you and I are both really passionate about. We both have children. Right. We've both chosen to stay home with mm-hmm. our kids for a specific reason. And I, I think, you know, we get, we do get a lot of moms who listen to our podcast, which is awesome. Shout Mm -hmm. out to all the moms out there. Mm -hmm. Such a, such a hard job. Yes, Such a good job. Yeah. And you know, it's hard if you've been in it. Yeah. And if you've not been in it, you think it's just all fluffy and pajamas and drinking hot coffee in the mornings. That's very true. (laughs) Like Instagram mom, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I love the, this has been out forever, but I love the write-up of how much a mom would get paid if she actually made a paycheck yeah you know and it's like actually I think it's low oh it is low I feel like it was written quite a few years ago yeah I feel like it should be way up there (laughs) yeah (laughs) like not two hundred thousand dollars but like two million (laughs) yeah well (laughs) that's probably what it would draw if it if you were in in the corporate setting and the amount of responsibilities you had and being on call 24 7 365 Right. It would require a large paycheck for anyone to want to do it uh, in a job I, setting. I think so. Yeah. I don't think anybody would look at a job description and be like, sure, I'll sign up for that. Yeah. For yeah. what moms do. Right. But yet it's so, it's such a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, Heather, that's what I love about this podcast is I feel like, so right now we're at this table mm-hmm. and I feel like what we're doing is we're like, here guys, pull up a chair. Yeah. Let's just have a conversation yeah, about, about parenting. about parenting. Um, and obviously on a podcast, we don't get to hear their feedback right, right away, right. but we do love hearing our mm-hmm. listeners' feedback. And so as we're talking about this, guys, take some notes if you've got insight or questions mm-hmm. and shoot it our way, and we might be able to incorporate it into a later podcast. Mm-hmm. But um, Heather, I think, okay, so for me, 
I'm four years behind you in parenting. Right. So your kids are, your youngest is older than my oldest. Right. Um, by 18 months. Oh, can I tell a cool fact? Yes. Yesterday, um, I put this on Facebook, so probably a lot of our listeners already saw it, but yesterday was eight years that we found out that my baby, Juliet, was a girl. Oh, so fun. Isn't that fun? That is so fun. Yeah, eight years ago. So That is super cute. Um, Yeah, I didn't see that. Well, I wasn't on Facebook yesterday, I don't think, but um, you you were talking about years and that four year that we're oh, four yeah. years sorry that was a total mom yeah. moment there well I, was I, gone. <laughs> I interrupted you <laughs> that's okay that's okay um so you are one of those people in my life that I am able to kind of look up to mm-hmm. in your mothering and in your parenting and your husband too as a dad he's a great awesome dad a godly man um and I think that's so crucial Heather is that people are able to find someone, even if they're not necessarily super tight and intertwined like we are, right? but that they can kind of model their lifestyle after yeah. um, in their parenting. And even if you have enough guts, like ask them, hey, can I ask you some parenting questions? Yeah, that's so good. Um, you know, because I certainly do that with you and right. with our mom who raised seven of us. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's so important is finding those people ahead of you in the parenting world. Yeah, find the family that, and it's not about... Um, trying to be just like them it's right. about emulating the qualities and the character that you see in them yes. you know it's like what we are to do with god like what are the qualities of god that we are to emulate right and i think that that i remember mom and dad our parents talking about this that they when they just had me mm-hmm. they met a family they knew a family that had kids who were a, a a little bit older than us, and mm-hmm. so they were in a little bit season ahead of them, and sure. they said, this is how we want to model our family. This is what we want to raise our family mm. to be like. And they did. You know, they took their advice. They followed some of their examples of the things that they had set in place. So I think that's so wise, and I think it's biblical. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible talks about the older women teaching the younger women, and yeah. I think it, that applies to parenting too. So Absolutely. I would say if you see someone, we all, we all can pick up on – real quickly on people who we don't want to model ourselves after Mm -hmm. you know or children like oh I don't want my children to be like that but if you see someone who has exceptional parenting Mm -hmm. obedient kids you're like or you know maybe just how they prioritize their family their choices too. find a way to get to be able to ask them questions and get to know them and say hey can we can we glean from your wisdom I think that's we, and we need it at every stage. Right. You know, here I am with a 10 and 7-year-old going, okay, the teenage years are coming up. Like, who has teenagers that I really value how they're communicating and raising their teenagers? So that's that's where I'm looking now. Yeah. So just the other day, we were at the water park yeah. for my son's birthday. And so you're surrounded by parents and children. And so there's a really big sampling of... right. Just the interactions of parents and kids. And granted, it can be a stressful environment. Yeah. But you and I ended up talking about parenting and kids. And we had this rare moment where we were just sitting watching our children on the slides. Yeah. And you said that a friend of ours, they had stopped by and they're ahead of you in parenting. And you guys started talking about those teen years of dating. What does it look like to let your 15-year-old have a girlfriend and kind of that dialogue. and. It's, I think it is so interesting because when you're in the season of littles or even with a seven and 10 year old, mm-hmm. you go, well, that's still quite so a bit far away. down the road. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's here. Yep. And if you haven't prepared for it and you haven't had the conversations, I would say specifically with your husband, mm-hmm. but also with God about mm-hmm. what does this look like for our family? Yep. You're going to be behind yep. by the time you get there because you have to have a game plan. That's right. Um, like in sports, there's a reason they have coaches. There's a reason they have people that are on the side of all of the the um, the numbers like the, and the analytics. The behind you know, the scenes, yes. So that they can plan yes. for the team that's coming up. Right. Well, um, and I think that it starts with the conversation start with your littles yes. also. So if you want to have, uh, you know, if we're, if we're just talking about dating, which I know is such a broad topic and yeah. there are so many varying degrees of perspective on this. And I would even say that my perspective has shifted a little bit from even my own experiences. Mm-hmm. While I think that my experiences... Um, there's so much value and so many great things in them. There are some things that I, you know, want to do a little bit differently with my own children. But um, 
I think that's natural, though, a natural sure. progression. Because you're For anything. almost 40 years old. Right. <laughs> so right. we're in a very different set- setting and culture now. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. But I think just because it was that's how you did it or yes. that's how your parents did it yeah. does not mean that that's necessarily exactly how you're, you should do it with your children. Right, right. You right. know, I think we need to be willing to say, okay, God, but what does it look like for us? Sure. Because yeah. our kids are different. And yeah. So, but I think that those, so for just talking about dating relationships, those conversations have to start when your kids are, you know, and some of you with littles are just going to probably swallow your tongue, but three and four, mm-hmm. you know, where they, they might not have a really great understanding of it, but you're starting to instill in them what healthy, godly relationships look like. Right. It starts with your marriage, mm-hmm. them seeing your marriage, and yeah. then talking about how to treat other friends. And, yeah. you know, so a romantic relationship really starts with how do we treat our friends? How do we right. value others? How do we value other people's feelings? And mm-hmm. those conversations, I think, can start really, really young. And then when they're 16, and here's me, not there yet, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm, I'm looking at this from some of my friends that are ahead of me and from my own experiences. When they're 16, if those conversations have already been had, mm-hmm. at 16, they're going to be a lot more willing to listen to you because you've already had some the ongoing conversations yeah. about relationships yeah. and what well, I think that's so crucial and key is that yeah. your kids know above all no matter what their questions are they can come to you yeah. they can come to us mm-hmm. their parents yeah. um because they're going to they're going to ask someone yeah. or they're going to hang around and listen for the answer that they need right. from someone right. and I want it to be me and my spouse and not their neighbor kids mm-hmm. or their school friends right. or their baseball buddies. Right. You know, I want it to be... Or a classroom. Yeah. I want it to be us um, having those conversations yeah. with us. And it's scientifically proven that whatever source you hear information from first mm-hmm. is the one that sets in the most. The one that takes root. Like the one that, that makes the track in your brain. Yep. Okay. So yeah. this isn't just about emotions. This is right. about actual right. brain activity and what your brain latches onto. So if your child hears about sex mm-hmm. from a neighbor kid mm-hmm. or from their school classroom right. or from a TV show, if that's the first way that they hear about it, they're not probably going to have a godly perspective on it as they could if you were the one that talked about it with them. Absolutely. So I think it's time that we as parents really take ownership of this, stop having our heads buried in the stand, mm-hmm. start realizing that our kids, unfortunately, are hearing about it younger and younger and younger and younger and younger yep. because of our society and everything that's around us. And it's time that we really go, okay, we need to... This, this is something that we have to um, face and yeah. lead through and lead well because it really does set the tone for what, how they will react when they're older, when mm-hmm. they're teenagers, and when they're adults. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that we it would be so good is let's talk about the practical side of that. Yeah. So how do we start having those conversations? Mm-hmm. Because it's one thing to hear maybe a leader or someone that you respect say right. like, it's so important to have character and good conversations with your kids mm-hmm. and set the tone. But then what does that look like practically when you're in the throes of raising littles yeah. and getting sippy cups and fighting bedtimes and weaving in those conversations that are God-centered, right. that are God-ordained, that are so crucial to their growing up, Yeah, you know, and feeling that weight of it, but mm-hmm. not letting it stress you out mm-hmm. to the point of like, am I failing miserably yeah. as a mom by not having these like sit down conversations. Right. Well, I think that um it starts with very ordinary yes, every single day interactions. Right. It's not the big conversation. Yeah. It's um, the little things that are actually the big things. It really I mean it truly it truly yeah. truly is. Yeah, and so is. one thing that I can think of just off the, it's teaching them to be respectful. Mm-hmm. It's it's teaching them who's in charge. Mm-hmm. You're the parent. You're yes. not their best friend. Hey, guess what? You are not there to make their life wonderful. That's right. You are there to love them, mm-hmm. to have tough love sometimes, mm-hmm. and to teach them how to be a responsible, respectful adult. Yes. And that starts when they're babies. Yeah. Um, it starts with sleep training. Yeah. And we can talk about that in a minute. But one of the things that we do, and and please hear my heart, like we are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. We we make mistakes. We don't have it all figured out. We're kind of learning as we're going. Sure. But um, one of the things that has been really helpful for us is the no interruption rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just simply when you're standing there talking 
and your child comes up and they're mom, 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 dad, 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 you know, and, and it's so disruptive and disrespectful yeah, yeah. to you and to the person you're speaking to. We've just taught our kids to come and simply put their hand on our hand yeah. and wait. Yeah. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll cover our hands so that their hands, so they know that we've acknowledged them. Yeah. And then they have to wait until yeah. there's a pause in the conversation. And then, you know, many times I'll just say, I'm, excuse me for just a moment. I need to answer my child. Mm-hmm. And you can't even imagine how many times, well, I know you do this, so you can, but right. how many times the adult is standing there just like dumbfounded what just (laughs) happened yeah um but it's such a simple tool Mm -hmm. but it's so effective and it teaches the children to be respectful of other people and other people's conversations and to be aware self-aware of their environment of what's going on that they are not the most important person in the room absolutely but i think heather it's so often even adults need to work through things like this yeah like hey man just because you have a thought doesn't mean you need to interject it right now. That's right. You know, maybe you need to be listening in on this conversation, hanging back and just taking in some wisdom. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that's great for parenting is that that interruption rule is, it, you know, that old school thought of like kids should be seen and not heard. Yeah. I don't subscribe to that at all. Right. But it's kind of like that that new version of it of like, hey, let's, let's talk about inappropriate or not inappropriate, but appropriate ways right. to interject. Yeah. Um, and I think too, a lot of times I think parents forget that there are lines that need to be drawn. Yeah. Like just because you have a 12-year-old daughter that thinks she's 18 right. doesn't mean she needs a seat at the table for all of the adult conversations. That's right. You know, yeah. sometimes she still is. Needs to be with, out with the kids. In the kids yes. section. Yes. Um, that's, that's good. I've been noticing that a lot. Mm-hmm. recently yeah. is like parents not being willing to say like no you are still a child right this is not appropriate for you or this is not a conversation for you we'll talk about this later yes um yes and good. and i'm not there yet either right but i do foresee that being something that mm-hmm. you know not just because you're you think you're old doesn't mean you doesn't are. mean you are yeah that's right so yeah. what are some of the things since you have littles that are six years and younger so what are the some of the everyday things that you do that you feel like are those beginning conversations and practical tips for people with littles at home yeah well we're pretty stickler about dinner time mm-hmm. uh, is we you know it's not always in our home but if it's out or whatever but most often it's in our home sit down and have dinner with yeah. mommy and daddy yeah. and have Talk. conversations yeah yeah so we will say you know, Crosley, what is something awesome that happened in your day? Or what's something you loved about today? And give him that space to talk about his day. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we'll ask Wilder, who's two and a half. And that's so cute all the time. You know, and Collins isn't old enough yet to have that conversation. But as she grows up, she'll become aware of that practice. And I think it's something that they'll then look forward to is Mm -hmm. like, oh, so at dinner, I'm going to get to tell daddy about the fact that I hit a home run in baseball outside right. mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Well, and um, a really fun thing that we do is um, our church gave some out, some questions out, yeah. family questions yeah. out. And then the Chick-fil-A had given them out as yes. one of their little prizes, which shout out to Chick-fil-A, man. They have awesome kids meal prizes, don't they? They do. I love them. Yeah. They're always so thoughtful and and usable. Yes. So anyway, but, and then we've made our own too. Mm-hmm. And the kids love that. So they're just like cards that are conversation starters. Conversations are yeah. questions. Yeah. Like if you could be any animal, what would, oh, one of my favorite ones the other day was if you could create a new holiday, what would it be? Oh, that's fun. And so, you know, it's not like they're always like they have to be these really deep, Right. Real theological questions. They're just conversation starters that get your kids talking. Yeah. And sometimes they're just fun. They're just for fun. If you could be a color, what would you be? Yeah. And of course, both my boys were blue. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So those are so fun. And I'm, you know, you can order them, you can buy them, you can make your own. Yeah. Um, But my kids, absolutely. We do that at the dinner table probably like two or three times a week and they love them. Yeah. But I think it just sets that tone that we are a family that has dialogue. Yes. That we have candor, that we are, it's an, a form where we can just be real and fu- and laugh and have fun. Right. Um, so when we have to talk about the hard things, yes, they're already used to having conversations. Yeah, they're already used to sharing their heart. Yeah, one of the things that was so cool the other day, um, we had asked we ask our children a lot what their dreams, what they're dreaming about, yeah. and um, just to hear their responses is so sweet. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're goofy, you know, and and yeah. a lot of times they're really. You're like, wow, God really is speaking to them in right. their dreams. And yeah. so just 
being willing to ask those kinds of like probe into your child's heart. Yes. And and sometimes it does take that probing. It yeah. does take that pulling it out. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes they don't know how to articulate to us what they're feeling right. or that it's even important to, to voice that, right. that thought. Right. So Heidi, but, talk to me about at this stage, talk to me about obedience training. Yeah. Um, you can start as early as you want with, you know, sleep training. I know yeah. we've had lots and lots of conversations with moms about that. Um, yeah. What does that look like? Because I think that's something that maybe as parents we could all use a little sure. boost in. Well, I think as moms, you know, as a mom, I'll speak specifically to moms, but as a mom, I always want to be the best version of a mom that I possibly can be. Mm -hmm. Not expecting perfection out of myself, Mm -hmm. but wanting to be so present and engaged with my kids. And really, Heather, that starts with good sleep. Mm -hmm. Because if we are sleep deprived, Mm -hmm. naturally, we're going to be grouchy. We're going to be short tempered. We're not going to be fun and creative and want to go play baseball with our boys or do a craft with them or even make them food (laughs) right? because we're just tired and grouchy and we're just going to have to reheat our coffee all day long. Right. Um, So it starts with with good sleep habits. And um, as hard as it is, that starts with training your infants to sleep well. And, um, you know, it's funny, none of my kids have been great sleepers and it's it's taken a lot of work to get them to be good sleepers. But now my six-year-old and my two-year-old are sleeping champs. Um, you know, we don't struggle with sleep at all. Right. So now it's my 13-month-old, my 14-month-old, we're kind of in the throes again yeah. with sleep training. And so it's kind of something you don't just conquer once. Right. You have to keep keep at it if they kind of revert. So what that looks like is... for And this is, this is what you have used and what I've used, yeah. what our mom used. And yeah. there are lots of theories out yeah. there. Yeah. There are lots of... I mean, I, I laugh now about all of the... Um, titles that they that we put on the labels we yeah, put on things I'm like yeah. I my my kids are seven and ten and these labels didn't exist back then I know. you know I I don't need like co-sleeping uh was just yeah the kids jump in your bed kind yeah. of thing you know yeah. there wasn't a label for it right and so not not that we're like discrediting anything else that works for someone else we're right. just saying this is what this is what's really had worked for us and yeah. and I think has proven through a lot of people that we've helped through this sure. that it's that yeah. it's valuable well i think there can be kind of um like death by information yeah. you know overwhelming yeah. you can find anything on the internet and the reality is this if you're trying to figure out how to get your child to sleep you probably should just stop reading a hundred thousand blogs about yeah. it and just get to it yeah you know because the reality is you need your sleep your children need their yeah. sleep sleep is behind our health mm-hmm. it is the number one way for our body to heal mm-hmm. and to be energized and ready for the next day yeah. so whatever that looks like um i have a lot of people talk about like your kids are so happy they're mm-hmm. always smiling and they're so happy and it's we're we're pretty strict about their sleep schedule yeah yes we have some flexibility but if they're at the age where they need naps, you know, we don't try to pack our schedule so hardcore that there's then that no more room naps. for naps. Yeah, because everyone's happier when, when the children right. are sleeping. So that looks like as an infant mm-hmm. um, that you have to do the cry it out method. Yeah. And I know moms listening are cringing right now mm-hmm. because the thought of making their baby cry mm-hmm. is like, well, I have the power to comfort them and soothe them. Why would right. I not do that? Mm-hmm. I'm neglecting my child. Right. Um, and that's not true. Um, you know, we've got technology now where you can have a video monitor on your baby. Mm-hmm. So you can literally look at your iPhone and know mm-hmm. that, nope, they're, they're okay. fine. They're just in there crying, yep. holding on to their teddy. Yep. Um, and what this does is it teaches them to self-soothe. Yeah. Um, in, in the sleep world of training your children, it talks about like them not needing bedtime props. Right. You know, they don't need mommy to rock them and, and sing to them and mm-hmm. do all sorts of exercises to get them to sleep it's just they they go to bed yeah and that's how god designed us yeah. was to fall asleep on our own yeah and it's good <laughs> i mean it says as adults that w- that's what we do mm-hmm. we lay down and our brain kind of thinks and we have to wind down and right. you might have a hundred thousand thoughts go through your mind before you actually drift into sleep right um and so that's what it's teaching our babies to do is yeah. to to just fall asleep on their own yeah and so that's what we do you know just um so like our bedtime routine with our 14 month old right now looks like so she's, you know, she's had a good dinner. She's played for a while. Then we do a, a healthy snack, mm-hmm. a banana or maybe some low, no sugar yogurt. Mm-hmm. Give her a snack so her belly's full. 
some drink, a drink of water, and then we take her upstairs. We put on her jammies. Um, sometimes she'll have a bath, depending on the day. But so bath, and then jammies, and then we brush her teeth. And she, as soon as she brushes her teeth, she knows like, oh, it's bedtime. You know, we're we're heading to bed. And then we just take her into her room, and I pray over her out loud so that she has that fresh in her mind of, you know, Jesus, set your guardian angels around Collins as she sleeps. Right. You know, give her peace, give her sweet deep rest Mm -hmm. and um, just protect her. Mm -hmm. And then I lay her down. And as I'm laying her down, I just say, Collins, Jesus is with you. Lay her down, give her her teddy, cover her up. And I walk out the door Mm -hmm. and um, it sounds so beautiful and so simple. Mm -hmm. And it really is when they start to sleep. Right. But kind of the kicker is then when they start to wake up in the night, which they do, Mm -hmm. you know, when they're wanting to nurse or what have you. Um, So we all wake up in the night Mm -hmm. in our sleep cycles. Mm But we adults don't, you know, cry out and need someone to come comfort us and soothe us. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the same thing that children are doing. So they're just waking up and mm-hmm. they're going, oh, I'm awake. Is someone going to come get me? They call out or they yeah. cry. And um, for us, it usually takes three nights mm-hmm. of them waking up in the night and us going, checking the monitor. Nope, they're fine. They're just crying to cry mm-hmm. and them having to put themselves back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so when so, you say three nights, what do you mean by that? Usually night one, um, and you, you know, you and mom walked me through this with yeah. Crosley, but usually yeah. night one is, um, brutal. Yeah. It's sometimes over an hour. You're crying right along with them. Yeah. Yeah. Over an hour of them crying, yeah. um, though they're fine. Um, they're just going like, Hey mom, I'm screaming for you. Cause I know you're going to come in and feed me right. or give me a bottle or right. whatever give it is. My- give in to my mm-hmm. will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we did is Every night on night one, we I just take the opportunity to pray yeah. and just to pray over that child. And as long as they cry, I pray for that child. Yeah. And I get through a really long list yeah. before. <laughs> You've covered everything. We've covered every stage, every year, their future <laughs> spouse, their future kids, their grandbabies. Right. Um, but so there's a lot of great prayers that get chalked up. But then they fall asleep and then they sleep. Then and it might next, be an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. It might be a long time I mean, I just crying. had a sweet, good friend tell me this last week as yeah. we were talking through this night. One was an hour and 30 minutes yeah. for her. Mm-hmm. And she said, it was three in the morning. And I looked at my husband and said, please let me go get him. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, do you remember Heidi said to you, yeah. he will fall back asleep. Yeah, they will. And so, um, and then the next night, it's usually half that time or yeah. less. Mm-hmm. For my kids, it was always like 20 or 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then on night three, if they wake up at all, it's like, two or three minutes yeah it's nothing I mean it's just unbelievable it's really kind of miraculous because it how well it works the night I know and everyone wakes up so happy and right. you're like I you're feel like refreshed. a new woman mm-hmm. um yeah so for us that's what sleep training looks like yeah is um you know and I, I'm pretty sure we're done having children unless mm-hmm. God just surprises us massively but if I were to have another one we would do the exact same thing yeah because yeah. it is and you've done that with all three now yeah and you've had to do it multiple times with a couple of them yep different seasons where they they might start teething and yeah. it gets thrown off again or, or you know like we went on a trip and then when we got home right. the little ones went through a little bit of like clinginess and wanting me to be right. with them all the time mm-hmm. and you know Colin so she had to go through it again right. like no honey you know you're gonna have to just cry you it know out how to do this, this you have this to relearn we this do. yeah well and I love this so much and I think this is sort of an aha moment for moms mm-hmm. um you know as a mom with babies we just have this innate desire god-given desire and need to care for to nurture nurture, to be there to protect right to take care of and and we are supposed to do that and we are doing that but we're also called to train them up yes the bible says train up a child in the way he should go so that Mm -hmm. when he is old he will not depart from it right so when you are teaching your children to self-soothe themselves to sleep you're also teaching them you don't get everything you want right you are independent, mm-hmm. you are brave, you yeah. are bold, you can do this. And yes. that's training you them for... You are able. You are able. Yeah. That is training them for childhood, for teenagers, for adulthood. Like yes. I look at sleep training not as just a here and now, right. but as like long-term effects. Yeah. And setting the standard for what you expect of your child and kind of also setting the tone for like, who's the parent here? Right. Oh, I am. Right. Like that. this eight-month-old doesn't get to dictate my schedule this eight month old doesn't get to dictate our family's well-being and happiness because we're exhausted yes um and so it really is about long-term training as well right which i think and i'll have moms say like well i feel like i'm neglecting them well just because you feel it doesn't mean it's right yes and um 
I think that you you have to go, okay, do I really want my child to be happy and healthy? Mm-hmm. It starts with good sleep. Yeah. And how many of us would want our son to be 30 years old yeah. in a corporate job and need his boss to come in and hold his hand yeah. when he sends a tough email? Yeah. Like, I don't want my son to be there. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I don't want my the boss's feedback to be like, dude, this kid is a whiner. Okay, yeah. He needs coddled. He can't do anything on his own. He doesn't know how to figure it out on his own. Well, and I think the the reality, Heidi, is they are ne- you are neglecting your child if in one way because you're neglecting to train them. You're neglecting sure. to prepare yeah. them for adulthood. So, yeah, right. it is neglect. Right. However you look at it. Yeah, yeah. But, but yet they're fine. You know, they're if, fine. If they're yeah. in their crib crying... A crying typically is the sign that your child is fine. Yeah. You can always tell that hurt cry and just that annoyed cry of, I'm mm-hmm. just mad that you're leaving me here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so, there, you know, there's always exceptions, sure. but I think that that's so crucial. And honestly, it'll help your marriage because all yeah. of a sudden you'll get a full night of sleep back for both of you. Right. Um, you'll have more time for intimacy. Right. Um, if the kids are actually on schedules mm-hmm. where they go to bed and they mm-hmm. sleep and yeah. So for us, that's that's been a big thing. That's is, really good. Is not letting our kids just, we don't let them stay up late at night. Yeah. Um, they're little, so mm-hmm. they still need to be in bed. Our little two are in bed pretty much no later than seven o'clock every night. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes 7.15. Mm-hmm. Um, but that just works for us. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, that 12, 13 hours of sleep is is really good. Well, and I want to speak to the praying mm-hmm. over your kids. Yeah. Um, kids have you know, naturally have night terrors, have, they go through different seasons of awareness where they're, they're more aware of their surroundings or like, you know, when they're a baby, they don't necessarily need a light on or understand that a light's not on. And then they, as they get older, that becomes something that is more prominent and they understand. And, um, there's so much power in our prayers over our children. Yes. And I think it's so, we, we should be so intentional about what we pray over them at night. I think your child should go to bed just like you said you do with Collins, the last words that they hear, Jesus is with you, Jesus is covering you, and and speaking those truths over them, because that's what will sink into their hearts and their minds as they're falling asleep. And speaking it out loud does something in the spiritual world. Yes. Um, You know, we talk a lot about how there is... um, there's there's good and there's evil mm-hmm. and evil the bible says that satan is out to steal kill and destroy right and he prowls around it says mm-hmm. like a roaring lion trying to to find what is it where can he get in and yes. and i think at night you know the night time is where he's a lot of times i feel like tries to come against us yep. and so yep speaking that out loud because he cannot hear our thoughts right god can hear our thoughts god right. knows our thoughts yep. but satan cannot right. so when we speak it out loud and we say you know set your guardian angels around satan hears that yeah. he hears that we're saying nope this child is protected yeah. this child is covered yeah. and it's also reassuring to our kids sure. to know that you know what we're praying over them they're hearing that when I love the picture that sets in our children's minds. So just a few nights ago, Crosley was praying and he said, and set your, your garden, your garden angels all around us. <laughs> and when he got done, he goes, mom, what are garden angels? Garden angels. I said, oh no, <laughs> we're saying guardian angels. I said, so they're like the big warrior angels that know how to fight battles. And I said, and God sends them and they stand around our whole house. Yeah. And I said, and they have shields and swords yeah. and they're equipped to know how to fa- fight bad guys. And mm-hmm. his eyes get big and he's like, are they out there now? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, they are. Yeah. He's like, he like looks out the window. He's like, I don't see them. Yeah. I'm like, sometimes we don't see angels. Sometimes right. we can, but we often don't. Yeah. And so for him, it was that light bulb moment of, oh, we're not praying about garden angels here. Garden angels. We're praying about <laughs> I'm like guardian. like gnomes, yeah. little gnomes. <laughs> guardian angels. But I love, so I love that picture that he now has in his mind mm-hmm. that his home, his bedroom is yes. surrounded Protected. by those big, huge angels. Yeah. And so we we talk about that. I'm going to get back to the obedience question here in a second. But, um, well, and I, for me, the, and I'll just be, blunt I don't like bedtime routine yeah <laughs> I I'm with my kids all day long yep. and so by the time and I'm not saying that it's wrong and not sure. that at all it's just not my thing you know some people they love to read books and to spend all this time in their kids bedrooms before bed and that's awesome mm-hmm. and more power to you I think you're a superwoman <laughs> when bedtime rolls around I'm like it's time for bed brush okay. your teeth get in bed I'll scratch your back for two seconds. Pray I'll over pray you. over you. Go to bed. The lights are out. Good night. Yeah. Yep. And that's that's okay. That's yep. me. That's yep. how it works for us. But um I I just think that like if you if you do anything, pray. Yes. Pray over your children. Yes. If you do even if you're so dog tired, yeah. it does not have to be elaborate. It does not have to be long. Yeah. Just 
prey. Yes, absolutely. When they talk about how kids need those indicators that it's bedtime, if prayer is a staple, that's mm-hmm. their indicator yeah. that it's bedtime. That's right. So that's so good. Yeah. Um, but Heather, another thing that we do, and I picked this up from our parents as they raised us, was obedience is not an option. Yeah. Um, we say a lot that um, if there's delayed obedience, it's actually disobedience. Yep. Um, so we have this, we say like, hey, first time obedience. Mm-hmm. And it's not something to be like, harped on or Mm -hmm. to be harsh about Mm -hmm. but teaching them that hey if mommy says go get your shoes on that doesn't mean you get to debate it and dance around for 10 minutes and go play trucks first Mm -hmm. and go to go potty and do this and do that it means go put your shoes on now right now obey right away Mm -hmm. and um you know specifically it starts young training them and teaching them Mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of training ground but as your kids get older, those mm-hmm. older ones are emulating to the younger ones. What does that mean to have first-time obedience? Mm-hmm. And it's not just about them listening to your voice and doing what you say. Mm-hmm. It's about setting that precedent of you're the voice of authority. Mm-hmm. They are under your authority, mm-hmm. and you are the voice they are supposed to be submitting mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Um, That's good. And so, you know, you think of it like, I think of it in my yard. If my two-year-old were running to the road to get his baseball, and a car was coming, and mm-hmm. I yelled, Wilder, stop he would know like mom's voice says stop i must obey I now obey. yeah so it's part of their protection as well yeah um so oh, that's something I, that we do i love that too because again it doesn't it's not just about the here and now it is about teaching them yeah. what it looks like to obey the voice of god yes and how often do we as adults hear from God or know that we're supposed to do something and we delay. Right. We delay, we delay, we delay. And yeah. God's promises are not able to come upon us. Right. His his abundance, his blessing, his right. wealth is not able to come upon us because of our disobedience. Yes. Because, you know, maybe we do eventually obey, but look at all that space mm-hmm. that we could have been obedient in that we yes. didn't because we didn't obey right away. And I think that that is, again, training our children right. is not just about having the perfect kids that make us look good. No. This is really about training them to be God-fearing, God-loving, passionate followers of Jesus yes, as adults absolutely, and as teenagers. Yeah. Um, and it starts when they're little. Yeah. When I think too, Heather, I think about, um, so our listeners who attend church, if you attend church and you have leaders who are raising children ahead of you, um, I think it's so important for you to ask, do I respect the way they're raising their kids? You yeah. know, is it, are these leaders someone that I can yeah, emulate good. my parenting after? Because if they are, that is probably, um, their leadership is probably something in other areas of your life as well mm-hmm. that you're going to want to be more likely willing mm-hmm. to follow yeah. um, and to put that into your life as right. well. And I think it's important to know that you can't expect people to be perfect. Right. You can't, you should not put them on a pedestal. That's no. not fair to them or to you. Right. Um, but just, it, it's about, you know, we, had a, such an amazing message yesterday about the so Samuels and the Nathans and the Jonathans in your life. Yeah. And who are those people in your life? And, and I, I don't have time to go into all of it. But basically, um, who are the different relationships in your life that play different roles in your life? Right. And and how are you choosing those relationships? Because your relationships do lead you down a path. Absolutely. And I think that's what you're saying. is like, yeah. don't put them on a pedestal. Don't right. expect them to be – everyone – Right. Everyone is human. Everyone will mess up. Absolutely. Everyone needs to fall on their face and ask for repentance. Yes. You know, my friend and I were just talking about this this morning. Like, repentance is a real part of our walk with God. Right. Um, but finding those people that you go, I respect their parenting. Yeah. I respect, and maybe it's their marriage. I respect yeah. their marriage, and I want to. Yeah. I want to emulate that. Yeah, that's so good. So I love that you said that repentance. You know, we need to be in that. Really, it's a rhythm. You know, I I could probably every single day go to my husband or one of my kids and say, hey, I'm sorry for this. Um, But I think as we teach our kids that importance of repentance of, you know, we say it all the time. You hit your sister, go hug her and tell her you're sorry. You're sorry. You know, um, and so we we teach them that at a young age or, hey, that was not nice to say that to our neighbor friend. Like you need to go over and say that you're sorry and you you're sorry you disrespected him or whatever it looks like. But as parents, Mm -hmm. as a mom, Mm -hmm. that is so important to be able to be repentant towards our child. You know, Crosley, I'm sorry that I got short with you, Mm -hmm. that I spoke in a harsh tone. Mm -hmm. Will you forgive me? 
and the wall that that drops between mm-hmm. you and your child is almost visible. Um, and they're always, yes, mommy, I'll forgive you. And they hug you. And it's like this new little bond is right. formed because they're seeing you be humble enough to repent and to say yeah, you're sorry. Say, I'm sorry. I messed so, up in that. Yeah. Always setting the tone of not expecting our kids to be perfect, but expecting them to be in that, in that attitude of, you know, are, do we have a repentant heart when we're not right mm-hmm. and willing to admit when we're wrong? Mm-hmm. I think if we carry that into adulthood where we, we're never wrong, mm-hmm. we cannot receive any mm-hmm. criticism, mm-hmm. we can never say we're sorry because mm-hmm. we're always right, yeah. that's not a great trait at all. No, and so. you won't grow. You won't grow because no one will be able to speak into your life. Right. Um, and if usually if you're not willing to listen to the wise counsel of others around you, you're usually not willing to listen to the wise counsel of the Lord either right. in his Absolutely. word. Absolutely. So, that's so good. So Heather, with you've got a seven-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. what's something that you guys are doing right now in the world of your daughter mm-hmm. to help prepare her for what it means to be a brave, bold woman? Yeah. Um, but at seven years old. Yeah. Well, um, I've said this before, I think on this podcast, um, I have, from the time she was really little, I asked God to give me a, a word for her. And he gave me um, the words um, that she would be, I say, Jules, I pray that you will have strong conviction and a tender spirit. Yeah. And that strong conviction to me means that she will stand on the the truth and the word of God. Yes. And that she will be able to boldly stand upon that. I think our kids are going to be in a time in history where they are going to, if they're going to follow Jesus, they're going to have to be bold in their faith. And so I pray that over her and I pray that she will be tender. Her spirit will be tender towards God and towards people. Right. Um, and so it's just, so I pray that over her every night, but conversations, lots of talking, lots of asking her questions, lots of saying, how are you feeling about this? Lots of including her in on the things that I do, whether it be getting ready and letting her, you know, use my perfume and teaching her what it means to be a woman. And, um, Lots of listening Mm -hmm. to her perspective. Mm -hmm. She and I are very different in terms of like she's, I'm firstborn and very like type A, things get done in order. She's very second born, just free spirit, just all over the place, Mm -hmm. kind of um, dances everywhere she goes. And and I would be more the type that would be, um, Jules, stop, you know, she's holding my hand and we're walking and she's skipping and hopping and my hand's like getting jerked constantly. And I'd be like, stop, Jules, you need to walk like a normal person, you know? And I realized (laughs) Do it the way I would do it. Yeah, I realized that that was wrong. I I had to not... um, put her in my box but I had to let her be who she was yeah and uh, with guidance obviously sure um so we're just in that season right now where conversations are so crucial Mm -hmm. I think they're crucial at every age but we're just we're there like we're in we're there at this Mm -hmm. place with them and so it's kind of scary I would say this season because the world has all of a sudden become much bigger Mm -hmm. and it's no longer our little home and all of the things that I can control yeah. and and almost like you feel like you can control what they even think about sure. when they're little. Sure. Even though that's not entirely true, but right. it feels that way. Right. And then they get to this age where you're like, oh yeah, you have your own opinions and thoughts and you when see she's the world differently. And no longer completely naive no. to the pressures of the world around her. No. Her, her eyes are open. Her eyes are, are aware. More open. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so lots of prayer. I mean, even just last night, she, my husband's gone, and so I let the kids take turns sleeping with me. And she was um, really, really scared mm. about the trees outside the window. Hmm. And they were blowing and, yeah. you know. And, Making shadows. Yeah, and, yeah. and she, she just like all of a sudden this fear overcame her. Mm. And she started to panic. And we just right away I started praying over her, mm-hmm. speaking against fear, told mm-hmm. her that God didn't give her a spirit of fear. And. Um, so I wouldn't say it's any like one, this is what we're doing that works brilliantly. I think it's lots of prayer, out loud prayer with them and lots of talking with them and, and setting standards of like, no, this, this show, this Netflix show doesn't point us to G like this show doesn't create in us things that are good. So we're not, we're going to choose not to watch that, you know, or like this one is, um, one of the 
you were talking about earlier about tools and like practical tools. There's a couple that I would highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, one I've used and one I've not used, but a very good friend that I trust has used it. So the first one is um, called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Mm-hmm. And it's a kid's book Yeah. Um, about pornography. Yeah, and yeah about, you lent it to me. We haven't had okay. that conversation yet, but okay. it's in our home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Like I would say buy it. Go on Amazon right now and buy it. I don't remember the author's name, do you? I don't, but you okay. just good pictures, yeah. bad pictures. Yeah. And it talks about, it teaches from a scientific perspective what happens to our brain when we look at bad pictures, but it also gives an action plan for if you see a bad picture, what yeah. do you do? Yeah. Like it gives them like a little game, a game plan. Yeah. So, and I actually need so to equipped. reread it with yeah. my kids so they remember it. I feel like it's something you should read every year with your kids. Yeah. Um, so we read that uh, well over a year ago, probably two years ago with our kids. So they would have been five and uh, eight. So you did it at the same time with them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So that's a great one. And then another really good one for girls that talks about like girls and their changing bodies and all of that. Mm. It's actually an American Girl doll. Really? Book. Yeah. And huh. this is the one I don't have yet, but I'm I'm actually gonna go on it's on my to-do list today to go on and order it. And a friend of mine uses it with her daughter who's nine. Okay. And just so well written and a, a great way to have those conversations mm-hmm. and it not feel awkward or like you're giving too much information or not enough information and so that's kind of where we're at with her yeah like yeah things have started to move into that older direction yeah well she's very interested Mm -hmm. in things like fashion Mm -hmm. and her makeup you know Mm -hmm. doing makeup like she does like you do and yeah so it's definitely that's a new season for sure that could be a little scary yeah it's a little scary and like um our son is Ten and a half, and you know, starting to have to do things that boys do, like wear deodorant and <laughs> shave his lip, and he, yeah. I, and that kind of hit me. Like, what? He's ten and a half. Like this. Right. This is too soon. Sure. But everyone matures differently and yeah. grows differently, and so we're definitely in the like middle school yeah. throes of that now with him. And um, I I love nighttime because bedtime mm-hmm. because I feel like they open up mm-hmm. so much and mm-hmm. so just last night I was sitting on his bed and looking at his sweet little face mm-hmm. and just asking him some questions mm-hmm. and they they just almost like pour their hearts out sure you know as yeah. they're laying in their bed I think they feel comfortable and safe, safe and yeah. you're there with them and yeah. so asking questions about what he's feeling and things that have happened and yeah, that's good. I heard someone say once, um, and I don't necessarily know that my boys fall into this category. They're both really good communicators and they like being face-to-face with mm-hmm. people. But I heard a lady say that she finds her best conversations in her car with mm-hmm. her sons because mm-hmm. she's driving mm-hmm. and they're behind her and they have better dialogue mm-hmm. like that where they're not face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that would work for some people yeah, as well. that's really good. And I so think it's not just, quite as intimidating maybe. I think we've talked about this um, – maybe in our last episode, Heidi, about what we're ingesting. And I think what your kids are ingesting is so valuable too. Because if they're watching a whole bunch of stuff, Mm -hmm. they're going to emulate that. If they're watching, you know, I I love Disney. I'm I'm all for entertainment and for fun. But if your kids are watching a bunch of stuff that is teaching them to whine and complain and have bad attitudes and disrespect their parents, they're going to act that way. Yeah, absolutely. We had to put the Knicks on a really what I thought was a really fun little train show mm-hmm. in our household because I, as I was in the kitchen doing dishes, I was overhearing all of this bickering mm-hmm. and this um, not healthy competition mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. the trains. Like and, combative. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was hearing it start to come through our boys, mm-hmm. you know, their their brother relationship. Yeah. And so we had a conversation about it. It was just like, guys, that's what I'm hearing. I don't mm-hmm. know if the writers changed yeah. Because it didn't used to be that way, I didn't yeah. feel like. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the shows started becoming that way. Yeah. And so we, we don't watch it anymore right yeah. now. And maybe that'll change yeah. if, if the dialogue changes. But it just being aware of those things right. that are going into the, their little brains. Uh, one of the things that, that we always say in our families, if you see a bad habit, if you right. see a bad something that has sort of crept in, um, look at two things. What are your children watching or mm-hmm. reading? Mm-hmm. Reading is a huge one, too. Yeah. And how are you acting? Yeah. Look at your own. Yes. And if you look at those two things, you almost always can find the root. Yeah. Because there is a root. Yeah. There's there's a root for why they're acting mm-hmm. out the way that they're acting out. 
Um, I think a lot of times too, it could be who are they hanging with? Yeah. You know, yeah. We, we've got some neighbor kids that are sweet boys, but they're almost always in our in our yard. Yeah. And that's not to be controlling. Well, that's because my kids are the youngest on the block. Right. So they're in our, they can't in our yard. But it's also just so I can kind of keep an eye on mm-hmm. like, what are the conversations they're having? Because these boys are older. Mm-hmm. So they're in, you know, with kids that are much older than them having mm-hmm. conversations that are bigger than my boys. Yeah. So just keep it an eye on that. Um, but as we're talking about friends, Heather, one thing that just popped into my mind is um, what we, we talk to our boys a lot. And Collins will join this conversation too, but she's so young right now. Talking about how, okay, Crosley, God gave you Wilder to be your brother, to be your best friend. And fostering that friendship, encouraging that friendship so that they're not constantly desiring friends outside mm-hmm. of who God's given them in their direct circle. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, we love friendships and we encourage friendships, but we drive that as the most important. Mm-hmm. Like your siblings mm-hmm. are your most important friends yeah. outside of mommy and daddy and Jesus. Um, and so we talk about that a lot mm-hmm. um, is that... I think I look around and I feel like society is so like, we need friends. We need friends. We Mm -hmm. need friends. I need more friends. I need Mm -hmm. more friends. I want to be with friends to the point where we neglect sibling relationships. Mm -hmm. We neglect our spouse relationship. Right. We neglect maybe our, our relationship with our mom who's older than us or, you know, where we're so desperate to find those friends outside of the circle God's given us. And we try to build that circle so big that really our friendships aren't even that genuine. Well, and I think we also live in a society where we get segregated into um, groups of peers. So, you know, in school, we're all, we're with kids all the same age, or we go into small groups of people who are in all the same seasons, this can be children or adults, and we lose the value of having people ahead of us and behind us, Mm -hmm. the, the mentor, mentee, the leader, you know, even as kids mm-hmm. to say, like with our family, Heidi, you know, I have a son who's quite a bit older than the littles right. that are around a lot when we're together right. and just having to teach him that, okay, there's a time and a place, yes, for you to go play with your 10-year-old friends, right. but there's also this really cool opportunity that you have to play with Wilder, who's two, right. and invest in him and love on him and be right. and be a good example for mm-hmm. him. Because that gap changes real quick yeah. when all of a sudden Wilder's a teenage boy right. or Crosley's a teenage boy, and right. all of a sudden they go, we really are best friends. We really are best friends. And we've seen that with our siblings. Yes. Because there's 17 years between me and our youngest. And, yes. you know, as we've all become adults, we've all become best friends. Yes. But I 100% believe that's because mom and dad cultivated that in us. Absolutely. We were each other's playmates. Yes. Growing up. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we had friends. Mm-hmm. But our best friends were our siblings. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why, I mean, mom and dad did a great job of setting that example. Mm-hmm. And that's why we do that today. Um, even my husband has talked about, he's like, you know, that I don't remember thinking like, hey, your brother is your best friend. Yeah. He was, you know, two or he is two or three years younger. Mm-hmm. And so he goes, it was just, you know, we were both in school and it was, we had separate friends. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, we get into adulthood and it's like, why are we not best friends with our siblings? Mm-hmm. Well, was that emulated as a child? Right. So I think that's important. If you're raising littles, man, they are each other's buddies. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't like each other, like just... I mean, it is what it is. God yeah. gave them built-in best friends. And as parents, so, you get to facilitate that when yeah. you start to hear the, you know, my brother, I don't like him, or he's, you know, stop that. Just yeah. shut it down yeah. and speak the opposite. Speak, speak life. No, you yeah. are each other's best friends, yes. and you are each other's warriors, and you get yeah. to protect one another. Yeah. And I More often than not, when I'm out, I hear siblings um, bashing each other. Yes. And I wonder... If it's often because they hear their parents bash, bashing each other. Mm, it could be. And I think, you know, let's set a standard where our kids hear us honor our spouses mm-hmm. and speak highly of our spouses and encourage and one another. Yeah. And then they do that with their siblings yeah. too. So this reminds me of a funny story in our little family. So when Crosley was young, he's just turned six. Anytime, I, you know, I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom with my kids. So my kids are around me a lot. And so I think they think that like I am theirs, you know, and that like, daddy, who are you to come in and try to take mommy? Yeah. So when Crosley was little, um, like just barely walking around, anytime Kip would come and hug me or kiss me, Crosley would sit on the floor and start crying and just bawl his little heart out. And then, you know, we'd scoop him into our hug and he'd be fine. 
Now, it, this is reminding me the picture of how different our children can be. Collins, our little girl, is 14 months old, and same situation. Kip will come in the kitchen, I'm making dinner, give me a hug, give me a kiss. She starts laughing and clapping. <laughs> so same children yeah. in the same family, in yeah. the same environment, yeah. totally different responses. Yeah. So I think it's just an interesting picture of knowing that just because they have the same last name, we can't tailor all of our parenting exactly the That's way right. we did it for our firstborn son. Yes. He's our firstborn. She's our baby. Yes. They have very different responses mm-hmm. and personalities. Mm-hmm. That's so And so good. I think just knowing, mm-hmm. um, so always being prayerful. Mm-hmm. Lord, give me wisdom to show me how to deal with this. Um, and just on a super practical note, Heather, um, so when we went to Portugal for mm-hmm. Chris's 40th birthday, I had to kind of force wean Collins because mm-hmm. I wasn't taking her with us. Mm-hmm. She was staying home and um, I felt nervous about it. But I just started to pray, Lord, please give me the wisdom to mm-hmm. know how to wean Collins mm-hmm. for who Collins is. Yeah. And just prompt my mind with creative ideas that are going to work for her. And I just give this to you and then rest in that. And he did. Mm-hmm. Like he, mm-hmm. it just, it worked. Mm-hmm. And um you know, it, it worked out great. So I think always being willing to just be super honest with God and mm-hmm. be vulnerable. Like, mm-hmm. Lord, we are approaching this stage with Juliet where she's, you know, almost eight years old and yeah. we're coming into things that yep. I don't necessarily know how to navigate and right? just praying through those mm-hmm. things. And I think God loves our vulnerability yeah. and our reliance to know that he is a Hopefully good father. Yeah. yeah. And we haven't been through this stage yet and we haven't been through the next stage. And and honestly, I can say that every single stage that my children have been at has been my favorite. Yes. Like there have been really hard things about some stages, but then I'm like, when you're in it, like, yes, this is my favorite so stage. Fun. And then you get to the next one, you're like, oh, this is my favorite stage. Yeah. And then you get to the next one and it feels the same. And I'm so excited to keep that attitude, yes. you know, and, and not like, let's cut out the, I hate the phrase, the terrible twos, because it's just automatically speaking destruction, Yep, speaking death into our two-year-old. Right. Like, no, two-year-olds right. are awesome. They're awesome. Like, yeah, it's a very pivotal time where they're yeah. learning their own will yeah. to how to exert their own will, but it's, it's such a great, they're so fun they're too. So and they're fun. so hilarious in what they say. And so like, let's stop saying the negative things, mm-hmm. you know, um, let's stop saying, you know, that the teenage years are awful. Like, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to love the teenage years. Yeah. Like, let's speak life. Yeah. Let's speak truth. Let's speak positivity over each season. And then I think as our mindsets shift and we go, oh, okay. Yeah. There are struggles in every season, mm-hmm. but there, there's also beauty in yeah. every season yeah. and there's extraordinary, absolutely um, fun and excitement and, and in each stage of parenting, something that um, my brother actually said yesterday, and it, it just struck such a chord with me. He was talking about willpower, mm-hmm. and it was coming from a book that he was reading, and he that our willpower is like a reservoir, mm-hmm. okay, and it gets depleted. Mm-hmm. And so there may be times when you feel like, I don't have the willpower mm-hmm. to keep disciplining. I don't have the willpower to do this. And yeah. th- that is okay for you to feel that way. It doesn't mean you're a failure. Right. It means that your willpower has run out yeah. and that you need to fill it up. Yeah. And so figure out how, how do you get filled up? Does yeah. that mean you haven't had date nights? Does it mean you haven't had time away? Does that mean you're not in your word? Mm-hmm. You know, studying the word of God, does that, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Why is your willpower depleted? And the interesting thing about this is he said, when your willpower is depleted, we revert to our habits. Mm. So what are your habits? Like it's, it's the natural thing that you fall to when your willpower is gone. Sure. Like when your willpower to work out is gone, you revert to your habit of eating poorly. Sure. When you your willpower to discipline is gone, you revert to the habit of just giving in to your kids because right. they're whining right. to, to shut them up. Yeah. Um so what are your habits? Yeah. Are your habits good habits? Mm-hmm. Are your habits harmful habits? Mm-hmm. Um and I thought that was so good because we all have that. We all yeah. have that like today I feel like I'm the best parent in the world and I I my willpower was up all day and then the next day you're just like I literally can't do this today so so good to be able to figure out what that what that looks like for you and that's so good how to keep that up I love that that's good encouragement I think our kids always rise to the words we are speaking over them as you were talking about that let's speak life and encouragement and joy um you know, those teenagers that are hearing mm-hmm. those parents mm-hmm. lament the teenage years are probably having that in their mind mm-hmm. of like, mom and dad think this is going to be awful. It probably is going to be so awful. So I'm not even going to try. I'm not going to even try. Yeah. So, yeah. and yeah. I want my kids to be raised in an environment where they know 
we're looking forward to all that God has planned mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. Um, knowing it might not be perfectly easy mm-hmm. and it won't be, but it'll be good. And casting vision for your kids. Like they might not understand what it means to be a leader, but if you're continually telling them you're a leader and right. pointing them towards why they're a leader, right? Um, they will become leaders. Yes. They will become kind. They will become generous because you have spoken that over them. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for listening today. I hope that something that we have said has encouraged you or challenged you or maybe inspired you to take a step in your parenting. Um, Keep going. It's so rewarding. It's such a high calling. (laughs) Um, Let's let's prove the world wrong. I think that this generation coming up is just going to, you know, hit rock bottom and I just don't believe that I don't either I believe that they're going to rise up as men and women of God I believe we're going to see life change Mm -hmm. in our world and in our nation and in our families and I'm so excited that we get to be the people to lead our kids into that and to um, cheer them on and let them stand on our shoulders as they reach places that we've never been able to reach before so good well if you haven't checked out the H&H Hour on Instagram, please do so because that'll give you updates on new episodes and occasional giveaways and just some inspiration that we can hopefully share in your days. So head over there, follow us on Instagram. Also, if you've not subscribed on iTunes, please do that. It's easy. You need to go into iTunes and in your search field, just enter the H&H Hour podcast Mm -hmm. and it will pull us right up and you can click the subscribe button right there. The great thing. I was so proud of our mom, Heather. I know. So she's in her 60s. She's 60. And she said that she figured out all on her own how to add our podcast to her podcast app on her phone. And so now on Tuesday mornings, it just pops up and she listens to it first thing. Um, She even said, I saw on something it said link in profile. And I didn't know what that meant, but I thought about it for two seconds and then I figured it out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So if you don't know, that means if you click on our profile, there is a link there that you can click. Um, and it's okay if you didn't know that we're all sometimes struggling in our technology. Oh my goodness. There are so many things about my <laughs> iPhone. I still have like my, my 25 year old sister will be like, well, you didn't know you could do that. I'm like, oh yeah, I had no idea. No idea. <laughs> no idea. Well, thanks for listening. We're so glad that you did. And we will see you next time.